heard across the Resonate Regional Radio Network. It's my time, it's my life. I hope you will come along. This is Rural Queensland Today with Ben Dobbin. Good morning and welcome to Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. It is June 3. A very good morning to everybody listening to us across Rural Queensland Today through 4SB in Kingaroy, 4ZR in Roma, 4VL in Charleville, 4HI in Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4LG Longreach, 4GC Charters Towers and the Hot Country Network. A very good morning to you. Senator Susan McDonald joins us today. Uh, we're also going to catch up with Boyd Curran, a historic day with the uh, Livestock uh, Exchange Sayards, the Central West Livestock Exchange, the new Longreach Sayards having their inaugural sale this morning as we speak. Uh, we'll catch up with Boyd Curran, owner of Nutrien from uh, Longreach and also from Blackhall. We'll talk with Trent Dorn, the agribusiness lawyer. He'll join us as well and his concerns around uh, lumpy skin and also foot and mouth and just where this government is situated moving forward. So much to get through on a busy Friday morning. It's cold. It started. Well, it is winter, but just beautiful days at the moment as things are starting to dry out. Let's get into it. Senator Susan McDonald joins us next. This is Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. You're with Ben Dobbin on Friday morning, the 3rd of June. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. It's Friday. Senator Susan McDonald joins us this morning. Senator, good morning. Uh, I come to you from Charter. You're in Charters Towers this morning. How is the beautiful towers? Oh, it's always gorgeous. And today is the Northern Beef Producers Forum in Charters it Towers. So, is. looking forward to catching up with a lot of people. And um, there's trade stands, and uh, you know, it, it's going to be a really interesting day. So. Yeah. Yeah, we, Looking forward to it. Uh, we talked about it a little earlier and, and obviously it's open today and tomorrow and there's lots going on there as well. So a huge day for people of the Charters Towers and the surrounding area. We have a new Ag Minister. Is it the best result possible or do you think that once again we're in bigger trouble than we all thought? Look, what happens when uh, Labor gets back into government is they – Unfortunately, a drawing from a, a pool of people who have uh, never run a business, um, they've been union organisers or, uh, you know, that, that's been their kind of world experience. And so I'd imagine that as Albo was putting together his cabinet, he was looking around the table saying, let's figure out who's had a veggie garden, who's, who's done anything around agriculture. And they've picked Murray Watt. Now, Murray's a nice bloke, but he did a... a story in the Australian yesterday where he's talked about a whole lot of ag issues, um, none of which people are raising with me, so um, nothing serious on the workforce shortage. He reckons he can get Australians to come regionally. Well, we've spent you know years trying to get that to happen. Doesn't want to continue with the ag visas, going to do continue the Pacific Labor Scheme. We know that doesn't work for a whole lot of ag, ag jobs. Didn't talk about biosecurity, didn't talk about lumpy skin or foot and mouth or screwworm. Uh, didn't talk about the north, feral pigs and other pests. Uh, what he did talk about, though, was making chocolate so that he could put it in choc chip biscuits. Yep. So he's rapidly becoming, for me, the Minister for Tea and Bickies because I am deeply concerned that his lack of understanding of what farming and, and grazing is actually about uh, will mean that we end up, you know, Somewhere down in, in Victoria talking about food manufacturing but not about actually how you grow 
uh, food and fibre to feed people, the most important job in the world. So that's, uh, you know, it's a big concern. I will try and offer him as much support as I can to, you know, not bugger this up because it's too important. But um, we'll see. We'll see, Ben. Yeah, the big thing about it is that, and the thing that everybody really um, doesn't understand is that, that, that they have no interest, the Labor government, in trying to get agriculture at the front, the forefront. We know what David did. We know that um, and what the National Party have done and how important they see the ag portfolio, yet we don't seem to – we just don't seem to, to see in any way Labor wanting to get on board. And, and, and the fact is that we've got now ministers for Northern Australia – um, we've got ag ministers that actually don't have an interest and the best interest. Well, uh, you know, it's extraordinary that the new Northern Australian minister lives in Rockingham, uh, possibly as about as far distant you can get from Northern Australia. And what happens is it's not a lack of, of desire to be any good. It's, the reality is, is where you live is where you focus your attention. You know, she'll be focused on the roads and the um, potholes and the, you know, the issues that are important to to uh, southern Western Australia. How, but it, can I just ask this, and, and I'm sorry to jump in there, Senator. How is it that we have a Minister for Northern Australia living in a suburb of Perth? Like, it, I, I, it absolutely is... The biggest kick in the teeth I have ever heard. We have the, the, the person who looks after the whole portfolio of Northern Australia, we know what it is, lives in a suburb of Perth, almost on the beach, on the beach in Perth. Yep, yep. It is. I, I actually can't talk about this for too long because I get so angry about it. The reason why Northern Australia has not been developed is that we have, 1.3 million people, 3% of the population. We've got a handful of senators and members who live in the north, people who understand the real issues that are holding us back. And once again, we've got a new government that's going to give us uh, somebody from northern Australia who thinks we're a really nice idea. We're pretty dangerous. We're pretty scary, according to all the southerners. We've got cyclones and floods and crocodiles. And apparently that makes us somewhere that instead of investing in Instead of untapping and unleashing the potential of Australia, which is so important for the royalties and the taxes that will be paid in future generations, instead of understanding of how you've got to build roads and uh, increase infrastructure, build more schools and hospitals, internet capability, uh, so that we can protect the North. We have the resources, the rare earths, the critical minerals that the rest of the world wants. We're going Just to pause on that yeah, for a second. Yeah, we everything. have the stuff that people want, and yet we have uh, just returned a government that has said they're going to stop Hell's Gate. Well, I'm sorry, they're going to throw another $450 million at consultants to do another study into Hell's Gate Dam. They're not interested in Urana. Um, the Greens want to stop the Bowen Pipeline, the most perfect water uh, project you've ever seen. Richmond Irrigation Project won't go ahead. Hewenden Irrigation Project won't go ahead. Um, you know, every water project in this state has just been put on ice because uh, the only thing Labor understands um, is drowning in a sea of consultants, death by business cases, 
Uh, and haven't and we already done all these? Why, why would they go back and readdress this, Senator? I, 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 it, it's, it's already it's been done. Down. It's a slow me down. Townsville Enterprises has done uh, has spent thirty million dollars on consultants uh, doing studies into uh, water flows, into land type, um, into um, uh, you know crop suitability, uh, into possibility for uh, pumped hydro. You know, I'm not sure what else they're going to study, but I tell you, the, the consultants, uh, and they won't be in North Queensland, they won't give the work to North Queensland businesses. The study money will go into Sydney and Melbourne, and they'll say that's all very interesting, and they'll just pour more money down the sink. And it's money that we cannot afford because they also want to shut down our coal mining and they want to shut down our gas reserves. So, you know, yesterday the Treasurer... Jim Chalmers is talking about how they re-divert Australian gas uh, away from exports into the domestic market. Well, that sounds really noble, except for the fact that they are not saying, New South Wales, it's time you start mining your gas. How fast can we open up the Beetaloo uh, Basin in the Northern Territory? What about the gas in the Cooper Basin? You know, we have got the most extraordinary natural resources in the world. We have incredibly high environmental standards. Our miners are absolutely extraordinary in the way that they can use technology and processes to to untap these resources. And yet, what do we want to do? We want to stop paying re- uh, getting ro- royalties from overseas. Uh, and we want to suddenly start squeezing the, the breath out of mining companies who they will start choosing to go and access world, uh, resources from other countries. They're already talking about it. They're terrified. It increases taxes, more union activity, um, greater environmental standards. But, you know, Australia is choking itself on its own red tape and green tape. Uh, and, you know, it will be to all of our own de- detriment. The NDIS now costs more than Medicare, more than Medicare. We are... Uh, living a lifestyle uh, that our, we can't cash the checks. And, you know, we have got to start focusing on uh, what Labor really intends to do to pay the bills. Susan McDonald joining us this morning on Rural Queensland Today. You're with Ben Dobbin. We'll take a break, come back with more. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today. Our guest this morning is Senator Susan McDonald. Who is going to pay the bills? Who is going to pay the bills? Now, the, you know, economy is in a much better shape off some figures that came out earlier this week. I mean, <laughs> they can all say what they want about ScoMo and, and, and the government, but it, it, it was a lot better than everybody thought with the recent figures. I, I think it's just another sign that we had, uh, in the coalition government, had all the levers right. Uh, we had uh, kept employers and employees supported during COVID. We'd allowed that connection uh, and we allowed businesses to be ready to take off again once once a border started opening and restrictions started started lifting. Um, unfortunately, Labor only ever talks about employees. Now, employees are, of course, incredibly important. Uh, but if they've never employed anybody, they've never understood what it takes to make a job, uh, to find the dollars to pay somebody else and what the risks around that are. They've never understood... They talk about uncertain work and yet they've all had union jobs or government jobs where there is no uncertainty at all. Uh, They don't truly understand what it is that you have to do to generate money, to take risk and to grow a business, a state, a country. 
this is this is the time when we should have had kept the coalition in government to continue seeing uh, the economic levers at the right settings. Anyway, Australia's decided not to do that, but I will continue to hold uh, these people, these uh, Labor um, cabinet ministers and, and assistant ministers to account about what are you doing to unshackle Australia's aspirations, Australia's opportunities, because all I hear from them is how they're going to slow things down, how they're going to stop things, uh, how they want to stop spending money on, on road infrastructure, on water infrastructure. We have built so few dams uh, in Australia over the last 20 years that there is now 30% less water available per every man, woman and child. This is going to affect our lifestyle and our ability to, to do things that we enjoy uh, and we were able to do it sustainably, environmentally appropriately and yet you know, they're not the discussions we're having. Northern Australia, um, I'm really concerned because we need the, the prosperity of the nation driven by this north part of the country, uh, irrigated agriculture, uh, critical minerals and rare earth, um, the terrific people, the, the um, tourism assets, unless we unleash them and invest in them, somebody else will do so. We live in a very competitive world and yeah. we have had 70 years of peace. We have had the longest period of peace the world has ever seen. Uh, we need to start focusing on what it might look like uh, if that's no longer the case. Is our biosecurity a worry, Senator? And, and, and I hear in your voice, and, I, and, and we're talking with Senator Susan McDonald this morning, that there's no two ways about it. You, you are really concerned about Northern Australia, and rightly so. You're concerned about just what the jewel in the crown, that what is up here. But our biosecurity also, you know, we, we to me, we're in a hell of a mess with that. I mean, we need one outbreak. Some of the stuff that you've done and that the government did, you know, with – the swine, African swine, with um, with all these different exotic diseases that are obviously threatening our country all the time. Yet there's no mention of that already. There's no understanding of it. There's just more is that they're going to make sure and we're going to be clean and we're going to be green and net zero and and it just doesn't happen like that. Doesn't happen like that. I would have liked to have seen the new Ag Minister say the first thing he was doing was getting on a plane to Indonesia to talk to our our nearest neighbours and our counterparts about how we continue to hold the Sumatra line, uh, which is the, the line that David Littleproud had established, uh, working with Indonesian officials, with the expat community of Australian vets and, and workforce up there to ensure that lumpy skin disease and foot and mouth and screw worms and other diseases don't come into Australia. And I think what we need to understand is that uh, these diseases coming into the country, uh, not only do they affect the, the health and well-being of our animals, but they smash our export markets. They absolutely smash our export markets because we would lose our disease-free status. Uh, I don't know... Um, if we if we think that meat is expensive now, there is no way that we want to go back to the 1970s where uh, it was less than the cost of production to grow an animal. You know, that is great for consumers, but farmers go broke. They can't reinvest in their herds. They can't reinvest in their, their soil and their grasses, all the things that society is demanding of them. 
So these risks of disease is the number one thing that keeps me awake at, at night. And I haven't heard the new agricultural minister mention that once. He's talked about putting chock chips into biscuits, but he hasn't talked about dams. He hasn't talked about irrigated agriculture, hasn't talked about Northern Australia, and he hasn't talked about biosecurity. So, uh, you know, uh, I, I am very concerned. Um, but, you know, we'll hear more today at the Northern Beef Producers Forum. Uh, we'll talk more about what we think that uh, the new government needs to be told. Um, and I'll be making sure that I'm, you know, I, I'm spending all my time reminding them of our possibility and potential in the north, but also the risks and what we need from the government to ensure that we're kept safe. Uh, unreal, unreal. Uh, Senator, we need more like you. Thank you for making us aware just of what is going on. Have a great weekend and we'll talk to you next week on rural Queensland today across the Resonate Broadcast Network. Uh, enjoy Charters Towers and the Field Day, Northern Beef uh, Field Days there today. Obviously, today and tomorrow, and um, look, there's lots going on there over the course of the next couple of days with trade stalls and there's working dog trials, equestrian, lots going on, um, and it's a great social gathering for Northern Australia and for the people of North Queensland. Great to chat. Great to talk to you, Ben. See you later. Senator Susan MacDonald on Rural Queensland Today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Pretty historical day uh, in Longreach uh, this morning. Um, There is a cattle sale on there and it's been a long time coming. Uh, Boyd Curran, the owner of Nutrient in uh, Blackhall and Longreach, joins us this morning. Boyd, good morning, mate. How are you? Gobbo, I'm well. How are you going? Really well. Firstly, a bit of a weather update. I I saw some photos of... And the beautiful thing of Facebook, isn't it? It's a wonderful thing. Mate, Tallyrand looks a treat and um, the Dar River in flood. I mean, you've had people in a long time um, have had uh, obviously a, you know, very, very tough time in your neck of the woods and it's just great that you've had half a season now that, you know, like you can go into the go into the winter with a body of grass and, and obviously it gets, starts to get cool. But what a great time to be in the Central West. But it is, Dolo. Like uh, everyone around here's had a pretty tough time for the last ten years. So getting this rain when we did in April and May, just been magnificent. We've got uh, beautiful feed. You know, it got us out of trouble just in the nick of time. But um, you know, everyone's really confident going forward. You know, the cattle market's strong, the sheep market's strong. Property prices are on the rise. Um, you know, it's a good time to be in the bush. And I guess you know, if you have a look at the the amount of capital we have tied up. The risks we take, we're so reliant on the weather. Um, you know, this is this is a time for the farmers. I think uh, with COVID, people have realised the importance of food security and uh, and just what great value beef is at the moment. Jeez, um, it, it, you're dead right. You, mate, I want to run onto a football field the way the passion you talk about. Can we talk about, mate, a pretty historical day in Longreach today? There's no two ways about it. Um, this has been a long time coming out. Um Western Queensland Livestock Exchange, is that – have I got that right? Um, yeah, that's uh, right. The, 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 that's the old Longreach sale yards has been transformed. And today it's first sale. Uh, Nutrient are holding an exclusive sale today, uh, close on 2,900 head. And it's been a long time coming, mate. Um, there must be a sense of pride and, and also relief and, and, and something that's going to be a wonderful, wonderful thing for the economy. Well, it will be, Dobbo. And, you know, I think that uh, credit to AAM, they've invested $5 million and, you know, they've had great support from uh, from the governments in, in putting the facility and getting the finance together to, to spend this money here. But, 
any organisation that spends $5 million in a remote community like Longridge, and particularly in the cattle industry, they deserve every bit of support that we can give them. So we're really proud as Nutrient, you know, to have the inaugural sale here this year. And, you know, we've had massive interest in this sale. Unbelievable. So, I mean, 2,900, local cattle mater, are they all from afar? No, look, we, we've partnered uh, with uh, West Coast Livestock in the Territory. Yep. And uh, they've sent down nearly 3,000 head for this first sale. Wow, we. So, mate, what does it look like long term? Uh, the cattle are there, and we, we remember what it was like. You and I both remember what Longreach was like. And the yep. emergence of Blackall, and that's just the, the the truth. And they've done a phenomenal job, and and they've drawn from a from a lot. But people aren't always going to go past Longreach if there's a market there to go to Blackall. Um, and so, working in with obviously the Blackall Sayards, not trying to in any way see their demise, but trying to work together. Is that the long term plan for that Sayards? Yeah, Dobbo. Look, Blackall is a great selling facility. And credit to the council there and, and all the staff there. You know they've got a great facility. It's a great market. It's a it's a great um, it's a great thing for producers all in the northwest here. But I think with competition at Longreach, it's only going to make both sale yards better and put more of a focus. You know, for the buyers if they want really good value cattle to come out to Blackall and Longreach, you know, to, to source their cattle from here. I mean, really, you know, both Blackall and Longreach is a real gateway for a lot of those northern and western cattle to go back on the inside. It's a, a very, very – and so is the plan long-term that it's always going to be an, a, a, an early sale? And will you try and tie in on a Friday or will you try in on a Thursday morning or potentially go on a Wednesday knowing the Dolby go at the same day? Yeah, look, I think that uh, there's been a lot of discussion around that. The next sale we've got, I think it's on the 15th, it's on a Wednesday yep. um, here and we've got 2,000 head already booked you know, of uh, organic uh, steers coming into that sale. That's just to kick it off. So I think that, um, you know, if there's there's arguments for going on Wednesdays and then there's arguments for going on Fridays. I don't mind the idea of Fridays because we follow the Black Hall sale. <coughs> we don't want to take away from what they're doing there. It allows the buyers to um, get from down south to get to Black Hall sale Thursday and then come up to Longreach on the Fridays. Yeah, what about, can I, and I, and I ask this with all... I saw, like, obviously, I've seen some footage of it. Are they going to be sold through a ring, or is it the traditional way of say yards? Uh, look, the idea is they've got they've uh, spent a lot of money here on a new uh, selling ring. The idea is the cattle will be pre-weighed and then come through the selling ring and then delivered after that. And it is it is a magnificent facility. Um, so today we're running approximately half the cattle through the selling ring, and then the other half will do um, out in their pens as you traditionally would. But I love the idea that they tried something different. I believe that oh, they would to get going. In the South, Boyd, and you get my good friend Ben Hindmarsh, and you go to Mossvale yep. and you go to a lot of these, this is the way it's heading. It really is heading that way. And if you go to the States, it's the way it's heading. Um, yep. it, 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 always, it, all, it won't work because people say it won't work, but you can only work if you give it a go and you stick with yeah. it. And I think that, you know, if that's the way Longreach is going to go, that'll be the point of difference. And I don't think that there'll be anybody pushing back once they can sit there and, you know, they can take a cup of coffee, sit down, they can do their job there and move forward. I, I think that that's got some really, really big, big um, pluses and upsides. And and it'll be interesting after today how it goes. You, you, that's, the, that's the big thing, isn't it? Just exactly how it does go will be a real determining on how it looks long-term for what you guys do. Yeah. Look, Dobbo, 
you know, no, we've talked about it and we're going to have a few issues today, no doubt, um, because this is the first run of cattle going through the new selling ring. But from our point of view, we are 110% behind this. I think it's a great initiative. And, you know, I go back to, again, anyone who's willing to invest this sort of money in, in the long-range community and in the cattle industry in particular, then they're going to get our full support. Yeah, well said. Um, enjoy it. Uh, the 15th is the next sale, uh, Wednesday, the 15th of June. Um, that yep. is the next sale um, that will be taking place at Longreach. And obviously you need to keep um, uh, an eye out because there will be – look, we'll keep you updated with market reports as well. But uh, this today is an exclusive to Nutrien um, yep. sale. Uh, Boyd Curran, the owner of Nutrien, uh, Longreach and Blackall, appreciate your time, mate. Thanks so much for being with us this morning. No worries, Dobbo. And just remember, if you're ever out this way and we're going to sail on, Mate, you're always welcome to come up and have a bit of a guest auction here with us. Mate, more than happy to. I don't know when I get out there, but I'm, I am coming out there shortly, but I don't know if it'll <laughs> right. tie with a sale. But I'll definitely have a run with you, Boyd. I definitely will. No good, good to see <laughs> you and talk to you, mate. Cheers, mate. Thanks, fellow. Bye now. Rural Queensland today. Hey, welcome back to Rural Queensland today. Agribusiness lawyer Trent Thorne joins us this morning. And the Rural Press Club of Queensland's May lunch in Brisbane was on last Friday. Um, and Australia's top biosecurity veterinarians have been sent to Indonesia to help combat the spread of foot and mouth disease and lumpy skin. Now, we talked about this earlier with Senator Susan McDonald, just about the real threats that we are um, and we are in if something was to break out and now under a Labor government how things are certainly changing. Trent, good morning. You're very clear on this as well that – there is some real concern about our livestock industry um, if we don't get it right from a biosecurity perspective and try and get under control exactly what is going on um, with some of these countries and their biosecurity and maybe suspending markets might be the way to go. Yeah, Dobbo, this is one of the most serious issues we've faced as a you know, livestock sector for you know many decades, really. We, we haven't had... Um, as serious a disease as this, just sitting off our doorstep um, and, and talking to a few people who've been up in markets, particularly Indonesia, um, there is an incredible amount of concern. I think as um, John McKillop said at the press club the other day, it's sort of not a case of you know, be alert, not alarmed, but um, the probability of it, of it coming here, I won't quote the statistics, but it's increasing every single month. So it's, um, it's moving into a stage where, unfortunately, it looks like it's going to be more than likely that uh, one or both of those diseases will enter the northern part of Australia at some stage in the near future, which is an absolutely frightening prospect, particularly given how well um, our cattle industry is travelling at the moment. It would absolutely just knock us down overnight, you know, um, I looked at the figures that the the department <clears throat> uh, there was an ABARES report in 2013. Yep, estimated a foot and mouth disease outbreak would result in losses ranging up to 52 billion dollars over 10 years, Jeez. and they've just redone those figures, and they're now saying at 80 billion dollars of economic impact because the, the sector would just basically shut down our trade, the international trade in in just we focus on beef, would just stop overnight. So, I mean, this is this is as serious as it gets. No one would – like, it, this it, would it, cause market mayhem. And I'm telling you from and, – and, and the ripple effect is 
it is so Please. severe, people just don't understand the enormity. This would send people to the wall. So why are we, we've got a new government, why are we so blasé about it when people like yourself, the Chief Veterinary Officers of Australia, uh, the, the, the we spoke with Senator Susan McDonald earlier this morning, she's of the same ilk, yet why is it that there's not no urgency around this? Well, I suppose because it's it's a bit of out of sight, out of mind, and people aren't really seeing the effects or understanding um, the effects. You know, like, and when you look at even you want to talk about people being blasé, um, and maybe that's not the right term, but in Indonesia they were really focused on this lumpy skin disease two months or so ago, but then all of a sudden mouth disease popped up there, and from what we're hearing, they're not even talking about lumpy skin. Yeah. Now, look, they're both they're both terrible diseases, but at least with foot and mouth disease, if you can look at one small shining light, is there is a vaccine for it. There's no vaccine for lumpy skin. So whilst all the all the attention up north at the moment is getting put into foot and mouth, you know, lumpy skin, the one that frankly should be scaring the, the living daylights out of all of us, um, given how it's transmitted, you know, that that's the big concern about lumpy skin is that Foot and mouth, it's more a contact thing. It's it's there. You know, you, you really need to be getting up up close, um, you know, and animal to animal sort of thing before the transmission, whereas lumpy skin is insect-borne. Um, and as the point's been made, you know, you can have a, a major storm and a mosquito, it can travel hundreds of miles a night, um, yeah. you know, and it can island hop all the way over um, to Australia. And it only affects cattle, lumpy skin. It's not like foot and mouth, which, you know, it, it can get into the goats, the, you know, the sheep, the, the pigs, any cloven-hoofed animal. Lumpy skin is just a cattle livestock disease at the moment. Um, and as I said, the transmission, it can move and jump huge areas in one day. So... You know they're both very, very bad, but lumpy skin at the moment looks looks to be the one that should be giving us, you know, nightmares. Yeah, that that's the that's the big worry. So where to now, Trent? You, you, I mean, you're an agribusiness lawyer. You're an expert in 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 in, in, in this kind of field, in the, and you can see what's going on. Where, where to now? Is it is it for? Our peak bodies to be having urgent discussions is that is that the first necessity? I know well, you say we should be on are, a plane. Well, all that's happening. So from what the RMAC, um, the Red Meat Advisory Council, um, the National Farmers Federation, um, and the, and the department, they have formed um, some fairly high level uh, uh, crisis management groups, and there's a number of them, and they're all working together as best they can. I know. I'm going to get some of this wrong, but John McKillop was, uh, in the press club the other day was referring to what they actually do have people over in Indonesia now trying to provide support. Um, I spoke with someone up in Indonesia the other day who's uh, very senior in this industry. Um, and this is, you know, you, you talk about the ramifications of what happened in 2011. Well, this is what's being borne out now is, you know, I, I, I made the point to them. I said, we, we supply about $400 million worth of aid to Indonesia each year, surely. Some of that money should be getting, you know, compartmentalised to be spent on vaccinating the herd up there. And the point was made back to me, yeah, well, 10 years ago, we could have just gone in and done that. But now, the, you know, the level of trust 
um, following the live export ban in 2011 is such that, you know, you can't just go and do those sort of things anymore. So, look, anyway, that's one thing. They're up there. The Chief Bet's been up there a couple of times. Um, they are doing whatever they can, and, and I understand there is significant amount, amounts of vaccine, that is the foot and mouth vaccine, um, being sent into the area. So they're going to try and start some sort of program. The other big concern is, as people have said, why aren't we prophylactically vaccinating our herd here, you know, for foot and mouth? Um, and, the, and the worry about that is um, the way the protocols stand at the moment, if you actually gave your, you know, your cattle herd the shot, they would be deemed to have foot and mouth, um, so which just seems crazy. But that's the reality. We can't get on the front foot and start vaccinating. So we have to get those protocols changed to say, yeah, okay, it's had a shot, but it doesn't have foot and mouth. It's just been inoculated against foot and mouth. So they're doing a number of these things in the background. Um, and the other thing is they're stressing everyone, particularly northern cattle producers, to get your biosecurity plans absolutely up to date. You know, oh, they, yes. they want to ha- have the position that, for argument's sake, if, if some, you know, lumpy skin got into the Pilbara, yeah. they might have to shut down the Pilbara and hopefully compartmentalise that part of it to the industry, you know, from a trade point of view. But as I said earlier, you know, they just think that's just putting your finger in the dike, you know, that the, the mosquitoes will yeah. be able to travel oh, or get on a truck or, you know. It's naivety. It, it's it's naivety at its best. It really is. Appreciate your time this morning. Thank you so much for being with us. As usual, great to talk. And it is a really, really big issue. Um, Trent, great to chat. Have a good weekend. Beautiful. Thanks, Dobbo. Cheers, mate. Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Well, that's it from us here this morning at Rural Queensland today. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed the show. Now, look. Look, I've got to put this out there. The Miles Devils are a proud rugby league club. Now, I got a call from Tom Chaplin late last night who said, mate, they've exhausted all avenues, so they're ringing me. Tom Chaplin's mobile is 0448 130 185. They are looking for footballers and they're prepared to pay. So if anybody is in any way looking for a game of rugby league this weekend or over the next couple of weeks and wants to travel and they'll pay their fuel to get you there, They'll give you match payments. They just need some help. They're a rugby league club trying to stay alive in the bush, and I know there's a lot of people out there um, who love rugby league, but the Miles Devils is trying to stay afloat. And I got a phone call, and he said, mate, I won't ever have this problem again because I know where to go and find players, but he said, we are so injured at the moment. We've got seven injuries, and he has asked me to give the shout-out. So if everybody out there, 0448, 130185, give him a call. They're happy to help. The Miles Devils, proud rugby league club. And that's it from us here this for this week. Uh, we will be back on Monday. It's a big week next week. Enjoy the show. Enjoy the weekend. Have a great time. Ray Hadley joins you next. And go the mighty Miles Devils. This is Rural Queensland today.